well, that's also, that's, you know, it's funny because I was watching a whole video on this that I'm not going to get into now, but someone, like, in the book, Heinlein is like, well, if you're going to, if you're going to drop to your death and fight nightmare bugs, you know, and that might be the last, it, it would sure be awesome if, like, the last thing you saw before you died was some titties. <laughs> like, well, that's, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically it. And yes, because we have now talked about, in order, Rick and Morty, Warhammer 40K, Judge Dredd, and uh, Starship Troopers. What is this? This must be the Big Bang Theory theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And yeah, so at every episode when we start recording, what we're supposed to take like a five or ten second break of just silence to catch any background noise. I think this is the same uh, from what I understand if you're on a film set and you're establishing room tone. And so we do that, like I said, five or ten seconds. Then we start bullshitting and we hit record. Like, ten minutes ago, we're like, we should talk about Rick and Morty! And, oh, I just, I'm not going to tell you everything, but you you just missed a very serious discussion about uh, fascist satire that is not, it's too real for public airwaves. We'll probably get back into it. Because board game nerds are weird, I think, is the summary. Anyway, hi, Kyle. We're, it's a, we're recording on Halloween. It's a spooky episode. Ooh. I was hoping that today's... Uh, actual episode is going to line up with halloween somehow and i know then that we're on like we're we're living in the correct timeline and like fate is shining upon us or whatever that's not what happened though no but if you want to if you want to stretch your definition this episode does have costumes it does? has it has horrific nightmares mm-hmm. uh it has my worst fear which is a woman making a list of all of my inadequacies for me to immediately address Ooh, baby yeah, well, before we get too carried away, hi. If you're a new listener to this, uh, this is a show where uh, my friend here, Kyle, and I watch the television series uh, The Big Bang Theory, and I think it's been growing on us in the four years we've been doing this, but we, we pick it apart. We talk, talk a little bit about our true nerd selves, and uh, I don't know, talk about like other cool things we like. People seem to like that part the most. Someday we will just abandon the premise of the show and turn into a nerd culture podcast because that's what people actually want but for now we have an episode to talk about so kyle um i'm going to oh i was gonna say i was gonna dive into the short summary but i'm making it a feature of front-loading uh my my review of this so uh i'm gonna tell y'all i give today's episode nine out of 13 stars that's, that's pretty good that's one of your higher ratings a higher, maybe the highest so far. There may have been a ten somewhere in there, but uh, yeah, I uh, think I had some initial frustrations with this one, but in the end, I think I, I really it felt like a actual good episode of a, a real TV show. Yeah, I don't care your feelings. I'll, you know, what, I'll go right with you on that. I think for me, it just it had like a lot going on, and you know. The show is better when it actually has multiple plot threads running concurrently. Yeah. Well, so to to summarize those plot threads today, so eight out of thirteen. Oh, eight out of thirteen. All right. Ooh, really close. Um, so today's episode was season five, episode fourteen, the beta test initiation, and our main plot. Uh, in a way, is almost buried in the the substance of real uh, side plots here. But the main plot is uh, Leonard and Penny are dating, and it's going fine. Cool. 
Uh, it's unclear, I guess, whether last episode's plots ever happened or not, or how long they've been dating or whatever, but that's a thing now. And at first I was like, ah, there's no background for this. And then I just kind of gave into it. I just let it wash over me. And so um, they're, they're dating and they their plan is like, hey, let's, oh God, I, I hate even saying it. Leonard's like, I'm a software engineer. Let's do a trial run here. And uh, they, she, he uh, proposes that they check in periodically to give each other like bug reports, you know, to, to talk about the little ticks or whatever that they think need to be addressed. Uh, and why anyone would ever even consider agreeing to this is beyond my reasoning, but they do. And, of course, it immediately goes sour. At first, it's like a cute little thing, like, oh, hey, you kind of, like, do this one little wah, wah, wah. Uh, and then um, Leonard eventually hands Penny, like, a printout of, like, three different tiers of issues that need to be addressed, as if he's never interacted with another human before. And is, and unfe- like, I just, I cannot... Okay, that's that's the problem I had with the episode that I got over. I cannot identify in the slightest with Leonard in this entire episode. I think he's disgusting and it's it's tearing me apart. But anyway, so they, that's what they do. <laughs> Meanwhile, Raj um, ends up getting uh, was are the iPhones that had Siri? That's how yes. detached I am. <laughs> like I they guess still have Siri, I believe. I, I guess that must be when it first became a feature because. Uh, Wallowitz, uh, no, sorry, not Wallowitz. Raj ends up getting uh, the iPhone with Siri, uh, and he immediately falls in love with it. And there's a lot I want to talk about about that, but for plot summary purposes, that's his his plot. And I guess third that fits in here is Sheldon is recording uh, a YouTube show about all of the different kinds of flags, and uh, he's doing it with Amy, and it has uh, not significant effect on the main plot but it does keep peeking in in the way uh that a real actual plot line should and it's great so there's a lot more to talk about in there but i think those are the three main threads any substantive stuff to add before we we put our filthy claws in it i don't know if it's actually that substance but it does feel like a weird beat that we should at least table for discussion sure um anyway leonard shoots himself in the foot with a gun yeah (laughs) and somehow just apparently grazes his pinky toe uh which i I guess because they can't commit to (laughs) to leonard having to recover from a foot injury they don't want him to be in a boot for like the next six episodes yeah but that's um how the episode I guess positively ends is they they have a real breakdown because of these bug reports and Leonard's date that he takes Penny on to make up for it is they go to a shooting range and uh, it's cute and it's weird and yeah then Leonard shoots himself in the foot uh bum 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 yeah so, I mean maybe that's his karma for his hubris yeah for flying too close to the sun let's let's do this now. I'm going to focus on one thing immediately, which is uh, with Raj falling in love with Siri. It's, there's, a, there's a line that Bernadette has near the end of the episode, which is like, I can't tell if this is adorable or creepy. 
And Wall Oates is like, uh-huh. And I'm like, that is 100% correct. I, like, in a way, I am so supportive of this development. Because yet Raj, uh, just in talking with Siri and getting the feedback, is immediately enamored with it. Because he's like, oh, this is the one woman I can talk to. This is incredible. And it asks uh, how he wants to be referred to. And uh, he says, oh, I guess I'll be... Oh, it suggests for him that he call himself sexy. Uh, and so uh, he falls in love with his phone, starts dating his phone. And I was like, if this is what it takes, buddy, if this is the thing that you need to get over the hump, I am there for it. Like, I don't care how weird it is. I don't care what other people think. If this is what you need, Raj, I'm there for you. And... I haven't seen this movie like since it came out, but I was getting like real. Yeah, uh, I know where you're going. Oh, are you? Because I think there's two. Okay. I was thinking Lars and the Real Doll. Oh no. <laughs> Were you thinking her? I was thinking her. Her also came to mind. I think the difference there being is in for anyone who hasn't seen her, it's Joaquin Phoenix yet falls in love with his OS because it's advanced enough to essentially have a personality. Uh, and then he's 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 far from the only one that has that problem. <laughs> um, Lars and the Real Doll is this guy Lars in his very small, quiet town buys a real doll. Uh, it's a, a, a very realistic sex doll, uh, but he just starts. No, our it. audience knows. Anyone listening, to this that's true. Knows like, exactly yeah, there are so many is. things I clarify. Completely unnecessarily, I'm like, what if some virgin listener were to come in and be like, oh, I'm not familiar with any any sort of sex doll. This is outside of my range of interests, you fucking liar. But yeah, uh, he starts dating it, and everyone's like, well, we love him, so I guess we're going to support whatever this is. Good God, I can't believe we're so, we're so in favor of this guy, but here we are. And that's kind of how I felt. I was like, just... Raj, in no circumstances outside of yours would I approve of this, but take the opportunity, man. Yes. It ends sort of tragic. I mean, it, 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 it insofar as it, it has sort of a real arc that has some pathos to it. Because a great ending. He's, he's happy. He's coming out of his shell. It's freaking other people out. But you're right. He's basically, he's blossoming. He's blooming as a person. And then he has a dream in which he meets the woman who looks like who is the voice of Siri and who is a sexy redhead woman who's a sexy redhead woman and the second he associates the voice of Siri with an actual attractive woman he loses the ability to speak to her mhm and oh, so it's... he wakes up screaming no implying he's never going to be able to use Siri again that's it... a great that's actually a great fucking dark twist that's in... one of the better capstones to an episode in one episode in this in half or just the side of one episode Raj has gone through so much more than most other characters for a while like Bernadette and Wallowitz and like figuring stuff out about their marriage has been serious but like this is this is it aside from that and this is the real nerd problems it's like we're basically you know it's I guess that's this you know we don't actually we don't use this framework very often anymore but it's like some episodes feel more real nerd than other episodes this episode has like flags in it you know which is so nerdy that even i was like wow this is a lot but it's like whoever whoever did the bits with the flags it's like this seems like someone is really passionate about flags here this is an unbelievable amount of flag love I i thought it was super cute i was into that too 
and then and then watching you know Raj slowly like try to climb out of his social anxiety only to fall back into the pit is like oh man that is the good stuff that is the real darkness of the soul of the nerd culture yeah and I guess maybe this is a Halloween episode because this this nightmare is the the ending of the episode it's it it ends with Raj waking up on the on the couch from from his his night terror and going no black like it's oh it's it's so rough for that it's 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 not often that you know what it's I actually identify sorry, with Raj. no that's just the poor sweet baby go ahead you know it actually it has the the structure Raj's arc in this episode is frankly good enough that if you if you wrote it out to be a whole episode it's basically an episode of the Twilight Zone Yes, yes. I mean, it could also be Black Mirror, but Black Mirror actually goes a little too far. It would work better as an episode of The Twilight Zone. Man falls in love with Robot. Man develops relationship with Robot. Man loses ability to emotionally connect with Robot. You could just, if if Rod Serling had come out at the end and been like, picture a man. A man who, after all he tried, all new technology tried to help him, ended up right back where he started, in The Twilight Zone. It would be perfect. Also, uh... I'm upping my rating. This episode just got an additional, like, three points for me. 11 out of 13. Dang! Also, I'm going to take a moment here to to call out a certain brand of nerd if you're out there listening. Hey, hey you, buddy. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, Black Mirror, it's got a lot of... Oh, technology's scary. Guess what? That's sci-fi forever, all right? Stop being a dick about it, okay? If you don't like it, that's fine. But, like, to be upset that it's focused on the horrors of new technology, that is, like, do you want do you want them to stop happening? Do you, do you oh, not okay. want those things examined anymore, you piece of I shit? See. I thought you were, I thought you were about to call out people who liked and identi- liked Black Mirror too much, but you're specifically calling out people who performatively don't like Black Mirror. That's for it. For not being as good as the, the horror sci-fi anthology series of their childhoods. Oh, yeah. Oh, it annoys the hell out of me. It's oof. That's fair. That's all. Like, I'm not we're saying really the show's fantastic. We're really doing good work in this episode. We're calling... We're, we're making all sorts of fandoms face their dark truths. Yeah, there there was one episode of that series where I, I just fell off because it was the, the I don't know, anti-hero, maybe... Oh, I guess antagonist, was so cartoonishly evil that I was like, this isn't saying anything about like the state of humanity this person's just awful like this is i don't know what you're trying to say with this one this is just a terrible person but oh well oh well go ahead no i think that was it i was (laughs) i I, i'm done with black mirror just get off my back facebook posters from several years ago (laughs) speaking of uh Oh, I guess I was just, and also, I won't make this my whole nerd recommendation of the week because it's been too long since I've watched it, but Her is still a fantastic movie. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it is great. It is a master, it's Spike Jones, you know, just at the top of his game. Just absolutely everyone should, it goes in a, it goes in a many better places. While this episode was fine, it sort of, instead of making it just that joke for 90 minutes, it really gets into like a lot of stuff. It's so good. Yeah. So soft, soft recommendation. recommendation. There we. Ooh, yeah. Mmm, mmm. That felt good. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I, Kyle, what what do you want to talk about with this? Because I've got a whole list, but I've 
What what stood out to you? So I was going to. I'm not exactly trying to defend Leonard because it's still the way he goes about what he does is. But there were two things I wanted to say about Leonard's idea to beta test the relationship. Actually, as he point, the most annoying thing he does in this whole episode is technically it would be an alpha test because we're both uh. involved in the development process. But uh, they rightfully call him out on that. But. Um, so two things. First off, it's actually not unhealthy to develop some kind of protocol for addressing issues with your partner, but they should be meaningful issues that really quanti- like qualitatively affect the whole relationship and make it less healthy. You know, toxic behaviors or unconscious, you know, behaviors that trigger you, stuff like that. You should have a way to talk about that. Writing a list and just giving it to someone and say, fix this is obviously the wrong way to do that. Oh, it's awful. Well, not only the list, but so if I remember correctly, I think the first feedback offered is when Penny is watching Doctor Who with Leonard and the other nerds. And Another like, real nerd thing. I yes. Mean, uh, and and not like, just not just the stinks. fact that they're watching it, but the fact that someone talks trash about it and Sheldon is like, you say one more bad thing about Doctor Who and you're not invited to Doctor Who conventions. Yes. Uh, but... So Penny's feedback is, if we're going to have a night out, it needs to not be watching a TV show I don't like with your friends. And so Leonard's like, oh, okay, well, I see how it is. Don't worry, I also have feedback for you. And yet then presents the list. And items on the list include things like, it would we would have more to talk about if you read more. And I just, oh want to stab him in the gut with a pair of shears. Oh, I hate... You know, from moment one in this episode... You can continue to defend him in a moment. But from moment one in this episode, when Sheldon is recording his show, and Leonard just walks through the shot. He just walks right through, unapologetically, unabashedly. I am against this man. But, sorry. Okay. Got that out. Got that out. So, anyway, (laughs) what I was going to say is... Yeah, he is, like, his problem is he's taking the software development analogy too literally, I feel like, which is what he provides would actually be a perfectly valid system reference document if you were doing actual bug testing. It's a list of bugs weighted by, you know, priority in terms of what needs to be fixed immediately, you know, what should be fixed eventually and what if you never get around to fixing it you know the product would still probably be shippable so that's if if you were doing what what the analogy says they were doing it would have been fine but he takes the analogy too far which brings me to my other uh again not quite a defense but sort of a sort of a question because this almost comes up in real like anybody who has ever been on like an am i the asshole for reddit or just you know seen any memeable screenshots about shitty men will come across the scenario which is why do men think this kind of behavior is acceptable and it is a good question that we should all ask but you know in this episode i feel like it is giving us it's not really inviting us to ask this, but I'm going to ask it is why do we expect that Leonard would know better? Meaning if, if he has no real, uh, if he has like, why do we know better? Like we saw this and we immediately Winston go, went, Ooh, this is a bad idea, but why so do we know that? His limited if, experience. Well, I'm asking you, like I was with you. I was like, there's no way this 
this pans out. But what was the where was that coming from? Was that experience? Was that like Being lessons imparted to us by teachers? Like, I don't I I don't think it's well I mean like it, in what other context would you ever like I guess just just socially there there are, well even professionally like if you're if I were provided feedback at work and someone just gave me a page list of like here's how you fucked up and here's things that I just don't like like I would probably take it a little personally but at least it would still be in the work context if a friend were to hand me a document that said here are things I don't like about you I'd be like I, I'm not sure if I need to fix these or if my friend is a maniac. Why? Who does this? Who would ever do something like that? This, it is unusual. Again, <laughs> someone should take Leonard aside and explain. I mean, that's basically by the end of the episode. He's re- Because Penny basically flips things around on him. And they actually never do talk through why it was a bad idea no. but presumably they've both realized by the end of the episode somewhere between exchanging lists hurting each other's feelings and leonard shooting himself in the foot they've realized that it was a it was a bad idea so we don't have to take leonard aside but in real life if your friend did this i think the most charitable way you could interpret this is he is trying it's a he's actually trying to do the right thing. He just doesn't know how to do it. As long as he's not being continuously controlling and awful about it. Yeah. Meaning as long as once you explain to them, no, this isn't really a helpful way to communicate your needs to me, and they take that feedback, then it's fine. I think yeah. the problem comes when people do weird things to try to communicate in relationships, and you're like, no, this isn't going to work. And they're like, oh, so you're the irrational one in this. I see. I was... I was trying to use my superior logic. And to be fair, Leonard does basically say this. It's like, we've invented a new, seamless, more painless form of dating, which is dumb. But he still comes around, I think. But in real life, I think the real problem isn't so much the initial crime as the fact that when you, like, confront these people about, like, this is obviously not helpful or okay, they'll suddenly be like, well, excuse me for just trying to be the logical one here. Yeah, I think, uh... Maybe maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree here, but I think we're both thinking of a very specific kind of person who <laughs> likes to logic and reason their way out of having conversations about feelings and opinions, <laughs> and it's terrible. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, and it's I whenever I encounter someone like that, what I assume is like, oh, this person would never gain. Like, it's not it's not really a moral failing, like. At some point, a certain lack of personal growth is always a moral failing. But what's immediately going on is something in this person's life has failed him. Like, his parents didn't teach him the proper emotional coping skills. Like, you know, he hasn't had enough chances this with, like, true. friends and girlfriends to understand. Like, like there's a way recognize... to treat these people sympathetically right up until the point where they just no amount of trying to explain this to them makes them a better person. And then you sort of have to kick them to the curb and be like, well, I guess this will be the experience that hopefully helps you grow is me never talking to you again. Bye. Yeah, yeah I think it's you have to, like, ask yourself finally. And this is weird. There's there's a certain weird alt-right former friend I was following. And at some point... I was, I was always hoping, like, when am I going to find, when am I going to figure out what turned them? Like, what was it? And I finally gave up, and I was like, I bet they've just always been a terrible person, and I didn't recognize it. And I think the question that I had to figure out, and I think maybe this is part of this, too, is um, asking, 
you know, is this like a communication deficit or is this person just an asshole? <laughs> like, is this a, a difficulty with expression or is this like a manipulative jerk? <laughs> and that can yeah. be tricky. But yes, yeah, I, give him I the benefit of the doubt at least and then see how that goes. <laughs> that is the eternal mod. If there is a modern struggle for me, if the internet is one constant question, it is that one. It's like, was this person always terrible? <laughs> or have they just been fundamentally let down so many times by society and the world that they never really had a chance to be done with yeah uh, is this person a goblin or like they've just had a rough go they might be a literal goblin or they <sighs> well kyle i think we're at a crossroads now i think we can totally slide into our nerd recommendations, but I think there's more meat on the bone here if you want to go that way. No, actually, I have a really good transition into our nerd thing of the week if I go first. Right oh, off the last go bit for of this it. conversation, I just realized. I wasn't sure if I was actually going to do this one because it's, it's weird and I'm, I'm still working out my feelings about it. But this is, this is the perfect so. Were they always a goblin or did something really fucked up happen to them? Is the question... Of Rob Zombie's remake of the 1978-78 film Halloween. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A movie movie which many, many people cannot fucking stand to save their lives. And so I was watching, I will say that I was watching Halloween Kills, which is the sequel to Halloween, which is actually the third movie called Halloween. I've already ranted about that. I've done my rant bit about that, but... I did like I did like the 2018 Halloween movie. Thought it was fine, pretty clever. Watched Halloween Kills, couldn't stand it. I and haven't I been dis- hearing good things. And I was disappointed because I wanted to like it. So I was like, man, I kind of want more. It's like I'm not a big horror guy, and I'm not a huge Halloween fanboy. But I was like, at this moment, I'm kind of in the mood for a satisfying experience, Michael Myers experience. And so I knew just through the nerd horror ether that there were two highly controversial Halloween movies made by, you know, auteur director Rob Zombie, most famous for The Devil's Re... And so I decided, you know what? Because I'll be... Some people I know actually kind of like those movies. So I was like, well, I'll give them a shot. I liked The Devil's Rejects the most of his original output. So, but go ahead. So I watched uh, I watched Rob Zombie's Halloween and Rob Zombie's Halloween Two, which are obviously intended to be taken as they're basically one long movie. If you watch them separately, it's each one only feels like half a movie. So um, it's a continual saga. Mixed feelings, definitely, but it is doing a lot of interesting things. I will say this: so the thing about Rob Zombie's Halloween. Um, which, to go forward, I'm just going to call Halloween, even though I understand that's confusing. We both know what we're talking about here. Is that, I think the thing that makes people slightly upset about it, is that it it essentially, the first half of the, of the movie, is an actual origin story for Michael Myers. Not insofar as it, it explains exactly why he is the way he is. It's still basically a retelling of the original film, insofar as, hey, there was the spooky kid... He went crazy and murdered his his whole family. No one was ever able to figure out why. Shrink spent like 
decades trying to figure out why. No one ever really got to the bottom of it, but now he's a spooky adult and he's break, breaking out and he's murdering the shit out of people again. So insofar as it preserves that structure, it's basically the same movie. It just spends a lot more time with, like, child Michael Myers trying to, like... Yes trying to show what that would actually look like. Like, what realistically... And I do admit, I think it's not really a problem in the original Halloween film, because it just sort of... It does it glancingly and moves on. But it is sort of... If you wanted to make a more realistic Halloween movie, it is sort of a question of, like... Sort of like your friend who knew Jeffrey Dahmer. It's like, if it was just a weird kid, like, wandering around dead-eyed all the time, um, you know, never speaking... And occasionally just picking up random knives and gesturing at people. You think someone would have figured out there was something wrong. So they sort of give Michael, they give boy Michael Myers a personality. You know, he's, he's, there's obvious, this is, I basically, I'm saying this is what I like is from the moment you meet him, there is obviously something very wrong with him. But at the same time, he feels like a realistic young boy just in a, you know, slightly shitty house life school situation which and also it doesn't really like i don't get the sense that the movie is like oh well the fact that he you know is has a shitty home life is why he's the way he is he just is that way no one can quite explain why there may be a connection but in some ways he's a perfectly nice normal little kid but for some reason he gets the he's you know he started murdering animals and he slowly escalates and he eventually without really un- understanding why you know murders his sister and his stepdad ends up uh, going into the mental institution we watch yeah. the doctor Loomis like spend years you know just trying to get him to explain why did you do this and Michael's like do what I don't know what did I even do and I like I actually I really like all of that bit. I like the idea that like, cause it feels, it feels maybe not perfect for a Halloween movie, but it feels right to me in some sense for like an actual portrayal of someone who becomes sort of like a horror movie monster. It's like, it's an actual portrayal of some really deep fundamental sociopathy is he does not know what is going on with him. Like he could not explain it to you. Like if he could speak, he does not have the language. And so you slowly watch him morph from like a child who's mostly verbal, slightly creepy, to like a non-verbal child who's more and more violent, to like a spooky adult who never who hasn't talked in years and is basically comatose, and then one day, you know, because people push him too far, he he breaks out and he starts murdering people again. And all of that is pretty good. And <laughs> And then the second one gets really weird because it jumps it does like a time skip and then um it becomes a it 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 basically becomes much more of an art movie in some weird way because it's all about like well what does all of this look like from Michael Myers' perspective which again is kind of interesting but then it's a little bit you know it's like all like surreal dream imagery and stuff like that and it's not there's a lot of magical realism and it it becomes so like it sort of disappears inside of its own thematics to the point where like I wa- I only watched it the one time I was like maybe there's something really profound going on here or maybe the Rob just lost zombie just lost the thread, but all of it was interesting. It was incredibly fun to watch. The kills were like the perfect mix of satisfying and gory and a little sad. Uh, the dude playing uh, Michael Myers is like a 
eight foot tall professional wrestler, which sort of <laughs> makes the which sort of makes all the parts where he's just like randomly picking up like other adult men and shaking them around like rag dolls just much more realistic. It's like, oh, he doesn't have to be like supernaturally like he doesn't have to be a zombie. He's like seven and a half feet tall. If he decides he wants to kill people, that's going to be a problem. So all of that, basically what I'm saying is, if you're a hardcore Halloween fan who has seen every single movie in the franchise and really deeply identifies with it, then um, I can see why the changes they make to the formula would upset you um, deeply. Trust me, I'm a Batman fan. I have to go through this like every four years. (laughs) So I get it. But... Just from a from a more neutral perspective, from someone who kind of likes the movies but doesn't give that much of a shit and has only seen like three of them, you know, I thought I thought it was a pretty good take on, if not the Halloween uh, franchise, than the entire you know crazy masked serial killer genre. So, serious recommendation for Halloween and uh, Halloween Part Two. You and Halloween well Part Two. Both. I'm I'm going to uh, make a recommendation for a a very short youtube video of someone uh asking john carpenter about his experience working with rob zombie i will i'm not saying this uh as any sort of indication of how i should uh, how i feel about the movies or how you should feel about the movies but uh john carpenter's answer is is frank (laughs) and not glowing (laughs) and it's it's fun if you want to watch an old man who does not give a shit anymore (laughs) just be like yeah fucking whatever like it's it's cool that's not my recommendation for the week though uh my recommendation is also going to be for a spooky thing and uh maybe a little too mainstream this time but here we go i am recommending uh the recent netflix horror show midnight mass ah it's scary sort of i mean it is but not scary in the way that most horror is scary which i'd say is the only uh caveat to enjoying it which is this is the the latest work from director mike flanagan who has proven not only to be a master of horror but also a shining beacon of hope for people with plain faces that want to have hot wives uh, I, I someday accept hope that I, I will find myself in the same position. But he has been doing a lot of great work for a long time in the horror genre. And uh, particularly, I think this is his third Netflix limited series. And uh, his his horror is much more character driven than I think is common in the genre. You know, of course, you're you're moving ahead. There's a scary thing. There is there is incident, but there's a lot of focus on the individuals affected and their backgrounds. And uh, in a way, how like I've, I haven't seen Haunting of Bly Manor, but he also did Haunting of Hill House. And between Midnight Mass and Hill House, he also seems to really want to analyze people's trauma and and how that affects them and their own responses to a a weird, scary world and all that. And so I won't say too much about Midnight Mass because it is pretty new and I want to get too spoilery, which would be very easy. But the basic premise is that our main character uh, is a man in his late 30s who uh, kills a woman in a DUI and goes to prison. And when he is released from prison, he is released into the custody of his parents, 
who live on a very small fishing uh, island uh, that has basically, it's been dying. There was an oil spill. Uh, the economy has gone to shit. There's only like a hundred some people left on the island and he's just stuck there. And the uh, residents of the island, among them is a very strong Catholic contingent. Uh, and the main character was himself Catholic, but gives it up in prison. Uh, and so that's the, the main foundation. And then what happens is their their Monsignor of the church, who is getting way too uh, far along in years and uh, was, I think, had dementia, uh, goes on a trip. Uh, but uh, the day he's supposed to come back, instead comes back this this other strange younger priest to replace him. And then things start getting a little spooky, everybody. Uh, but I uh, give it a, a whole hearted recommendation uh just with the understanding that i think there has been a recent trend of horror to uh in kind of in spite of what the genre expects to be a little bit less like sensational like definitely less uh jump scary but you know dealing more with just the the people and their their actual feelings about it and not just what kind of puddles they're going to eventually turn into. Well, that sounds, I mean, it sounds like, and this would make, I haven't watched it. And now based on your recommendation, I'm looking forward to it. It sounds sort of like he basically does horror. And this makes sense. Cause I know he adapted like, you know, the haunting of Hill house and other things. He basically does horror in the literary style. Like that's because what you're describing, that's how Stephen King writes all of his books is all, it's all like the focus is always on like the characterization and the, mm, yeah. and the, like the psychological perspectives and the trauma, the characters have gone through and stuff. It's just, that's usually the shit that gets thrown out when they make the TV miniseries and the movie versions of his stuff. Yeah. It's, and I think one criticism that might be fair because of that which it doesn't bother me, but I think it is true, is that a lot of those feelings are expressed through some monologuing. And so the characters, well, but it's, it's not like explicit monologuing. It is characters talking to each other, uh, but giving each other a lot of space to reflect, if you will. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And so um, if, if that's not your style, you know, just know that. But if, if you can be down with that, I Again, I think it's great, and I think The Haunting of Hill House may have came out just before, around the time we started this podcast, and so I haven't previous. if I haven't previously recommended that, I recommend it now, because that show is uh, fantastic. So yeah, Halloween and Haunted Things, spooky, 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 spooky. you know, I was thinking the other day, oh, go ahead. I was just going to, if we end this episode... By fading out to the monster mash, would we get our pantsuit off? Is that in the public domain yet? I don't know. I feel like it almost has to be, but, you know. <laughs> what if we only do, like, five seconds of it? And it's not, like, the five seconds that most people associate with the monster mash. They'll just know because right, right. I said this. Here, here's what we're going to do, Kyle. Uh, and this is a little bit of trade. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, copyright law. Uh, there is a version of the monster mash... Uh, featured on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast that includes the original uncensored lyrics that were too scary uh, that are really all about a monster orgy. And the thing is, is that 
Um, is that true? Is the Monster Mash actually about no, monsters? No, 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 no. It's a oh. running joke. It's oh, okay. Every year, this guy, uh, this character, promises he's going to record a new holiday song. And every year, it is a slightly different version of his own song, The Monster Fuck. Um, <laughs> but here's, here's the copyright area, everyone. Get educated. Uh, you can't own a copyright in a derivative work unless it... Uh, I'm not going to get into the, the details, but if you have a cover song, uh, it's not yours. And so I think we could... As, I, as Jonathan Colton found out the hard way. I emailed that guy in law school to be like, I know you got screwed. I want to write a paper about it. And he's like, I can't talk about that. And I was like, damn you, Jonathan Colton. And I still wrote a paper about it, but uh, that that's where it ended. But yeah, so we're going to steal this other song I like, uh, Scott Free, uh, because I'm devious. And that's how we'll fade out. We're doing it right now. Uh, make scary noises or make some sort of noise you want the audience to hear as we're fading out. Boogie, oogie, oogie. Boogie, scary. I was working in the lab the first Hanukkah night oh, when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise when suddenly to my surprise his trousers dropped right to the floor with his bottom bare he ran to the door I said Frankenstein what's gotten into you he said my dick is hard and I need to screw he did the fuck he did the monster fuck. The monster.